What's up, family? I am back with another episode of The Uncomfortably Reborn African. So today we're going to talk about an interesting topic. I think that a lot of times we see certain things in a certain lens of what media, what's put out there, but there are a lot of, there are a deeper dive to a lot of the issues that are going on in the mental health um, aspect. So today we're going to talk about PTSD. What is PTSD? That's post-traumatic stress syndrome. Now, I don't know if you ever heard it, but if you haven't, um, typically you hear about it more from the veterans perspective or members who have actually been to a, a war. They've been in combat. Um, they get a certain level of trauma that affects them when they return home after, um, after that combat. So what we're going to do is talk about PTSD from another perspective. So we're going to talk about what it is, um, side effects, what traumatic events actually can um, occur that someone could get PTSD. So we're just gonna go on a deeper dive of it. And I'm also gonna share my personal story with PTSD. So I'm really excited to be back. Um, I'm doing a lot of changes, revamping a lot of things. I'm actually gonna take a lot of the stuff that I'm doing to social media so you can see the visual, which I'm really excited about. Um, again, my mission has pretty much, I wanna say it's switched, but right now I'm really focused on talking to young women, talking to young girls and really giving them another perspective of things and I'm really targeting that audience um, just from my experience. You guys heard a lot of personal things I've talked about from the sexual assault to the child sex abuse to domestic violence, but like certain things you can't avoid, like, you know, no one should be sexually assaulted. No one should be sexually abused as a child, but there are like relationship things that happen in between that, that may lead a girl to walk a certain path where now she is in a relationship where she's being abused because she's looking for love. So I'm just trying to um, relate a lot of the things that I experienced, even with the suicide, what led me to that, what happened between that time as a young girl that could have been prevented or what steps they can take to help them from not, you know, get into a space where their mental hit their mental health issues get to the point where they attempt suicide or they believe that they can only get love from someone that abuses them. So that is my mission, my focus, but um, stay tuned for more. I'm really, really excited to share what I'm working on and yeah, just check out this episode and, you know, get some awareness of what PTSD really So PTSD, again, that acronym spells out post-traumatic stress syndrome. So when I looked it up on the dictionary, it, it had a small blurb on it, which again, it limits what, you know, what kind of um, PTSD, what, what the big picture of it is. Um, and it said that military veterans suffering from PTSD, which isn't really like a deep definition. So my story with PTSD happened with, I told you guys before, um, well, I believe I told you all, um, when I was a 15 year old senior, I started school late. So I, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I started school early. So graduating at 16 was, you know, my, you know, just something that happened just because I started school a little early, but I was a 15 year old senior and, um, I was a victim of sexual assault. It was date rape. And I definitely, after it happened, I definitely, for me, I felt guilty. And this is something that some, and I'm going to say some survivors of sexual assault, you know, they go through these emotions. Some of them, everybody goes through different, different emotions, but for some, you have that feeling of guilt. You have those questions where you ask yourself, why did I go there? What did I do? You know, me, I was 15. So I dealt with like the whole, like, oh my gosh, what my parents will think they're probably going to be like, you shouldn't have been out so on and so on. And of course I got that. I got all that pushback when it happened. Like you shouldn't have been out and you shouldn't have done this. But again, we always focus on what maybe the victim shouldn't have done instead of focusing on the fact like why 
must people believe or feel like they should take something from you just because what about that mindset and changing that um, where someone feels like I am going to forcibly take something from you and it is what it is. So we need to really shift that focus onto no one should ever feel like they should victimize someone. So I went to school and this happened probably on a Friday, Saturday, and I went to school and, uh, I wasn't going to tell anyone. I just was, I just took, took it like, listen, I, I shouldn't have been there. I just blamed myself and I just was going to just take it. Um, and again, you know, just from being in a pattern of keeping secrets from the sexually abuse, from the sexual abuse and just seeing, you know, things being swept under the rug. That's what I was going to do. That's what I, that's the lifestyle that I had saw. So I went into class, um, my teacher, Miss Hassan, um, love her to pieces. She was like one of those teachers that stood out because she really cared about her students. And I told her, you know, she, she asked me like, how are you? She noticed that I wasn't acting the same. And I was just like, oh, Miss Hassan, I, I had a rough weekend. And she's like, what happened? And then I finally told her. And the great thing about her, she's pretty much a mandatory reporter, meaning she ha- she should have told, like, you know, they have things saying that if you tell certain things regarding to abuse or violence or, you know, criminal acts to a teacher, they're supposed to tell the guidance counselor and tell administration ASAP. But she was like, listen, I'm going to give you that choice, but I really think you need to go down and talk to the guidance counselor about it. And just talking to her, she, she made me feel comfortable in the space. And I went down and talked to them about it. And that started the whole court case of, um, of putting him, you know, of, 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 um, starting a court case, uh, on the situation. Unfortunately, I was one of those people who also, um, he wasn't charged for it. Um, you know, I know after it happened, one of the, uh, she was kind of like a court administrator or she kind of like was a court assistant. She later said that, you know, it was hard for them to convict him because he reminded them so much of their son because he was, he wasn't what your typical, uh, sexual assault, I guess, profile fit. And I think that's the other issue. A lot of times when people think of sexual assault or people who are doing it, they think of it's like the grimy guy in the cut in the back in the corner. That's like rough. And like, he just looks like someone that will victimize someone. But no, as we have seen, even on TV, a lot of these, you know, people that are committing these assaults, their fathers, their priests and ministers, their uncles they are aunts because it's again it's happening in in males are being victimized too and they just look at it like oh something happened to me young and it's like laugh oh man cool that's that's cool a a 15 year old was talking to you and you was eight like it's not like it's it's victimization it's wrong um so all this stuff is happening and uh yeah she said that they said oh he reminds me of their of of their son because he was you know a college athlete. He was, you know, he, he wore nice suits. He came from a nice Christian family. Like he just fit a mold of like, he he could never do that because he don't look like it. And, you know, she was like, that was one of the things. And when they were like handing out the, you know, the verdict, I remember sitting there and hearing they're not guilty once. Cause I think they had like five or six charges up on him, up on him. Um, and I remember hearing the verdict. And by the time they got to number two, I like, stormed out of the courtroom and I just collapsed. Like I had never fainted before or felt the feeling of being like faint and just numb. And it was in that moment. And you know, she even said like, after they saw how I reacted, even his mother pulled my mom to the side and was like, I know something happened. Um, 
But I literally, my re- response was their moment. The jurors realizing like, oh, dang, I don't know if we got it right. Um, and like I said, you know, a lot of women go through this. I mean, we just heard a recent case recently where a guy was found guilty, but the judge only gave him probation. So, you know, it happens all the time where women who have true stories or women who have the evidence, women who have so-and-so that they're the, the jurors of their peers of that person's peers might feel like, uh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this and that because, you know, he looks like a nice guy. He just made a mistake, like stuff like that. So that was just traumatic to go through the point where, listen, I was initially going off and starting off with saying, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to keep this to myself. So to actually make the decision to file charges, go through sitting in front of a, 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 a to strangers and saying explicit details of what happened, it was like the hardest moment to have to use words and say he put his penis in my this and that. Like that was hard to say. And I don't mean to get like vulgar, but you know, I mean, although that's a clean term. But like I had to get in that much detail in front of strangers. My mom was there, you know, like to sit there and just give all these details about yourself. It was like, I felt so naked. I felt so exposed. And to hear them come back with the not guilty verdict, it killed me. And I don't mean to get emotional, but it killed me inside because I thought I was doing the right thing. He got to walk away and go home and I had to live with this pain. So I got PTSD from it. I would have flashbacks. I would have moments where I would be curled up in the corner shaking. Cause I remember after he did it, he was driving me to my friend's house. And I remember sitting in the fetal position and I literally was shaking because I just knew that night that I was going to die because all I've known from watching TV is that when that happens to you, you're going to die. Like he just victimized me. I just, I rode in that car just waiting for death to happen. And, uh, I was traumatized, man. I was traumatized. I, I, I remember this having this moment, this one time where I had to call my sister because I was just shaking and I was just crying and asking like, why, why, why didn't they believe me? And, um, I went through that for a while, even up until my marriage, I dealt with it. Because it's kind of like, like to explain it, like you'll get intimate with your husband and then all of a sudden you'll, you'll, you'll start crying and you'll start having these moments of like, you feel like you're being used. You feel like it's just hard to explain, but it was so emotional, like going through that. And, uh, over time it got better. Like me, I'm a very faithful person. Like I expressed before, but, um, what made it get, I mean, it just was like through prayer, through God, for me, like talking to myself and like going through some counseling and like really, um, like when I have those moments where I'm keep like turning it on, like, you know, it's my, I'm thinking like, it's my husband, he's married to you because it started to be a perspective of guys just use you for sex. Guys just use your body and then they throw you away. So I would talk to myself and say like, He's your husband. He's, he's, you know, he married you. He's not you just using you. There's a lot deeper to this connection that he has with you. So it's not just, it's not just that type of situation. So I would have to talk myself through it. And, you know, just really like when I was encountering, you know, males, just realizing like, oh, he's just my coworker. He's not going to do anything to me. If somebody's walking behind me, that paranoids me. And that, that even comes from 
my my um sexual abuse as a child because the perpetrator would like you know just random I remember a time he just randomly just like showed up was behind me and then he was laying on top of me like it was like just stuff on stuff you know that just gives you like these um, uncomfortable feelings so I have to like when I'm walking and someone's behind me, I have to literally be able to see them in my peripheral or I'll feel uncomfortable. And then sometimes I have to talk, talk like, okay, I'm just, I'm in the military, I'm in formation. And the reason why people are behind me is because I'm in formation and they have to be behind me because that's what formation happens and just talking yourself through it, um, which has helped a lot. So I say all that because again, PTSD is something that you just see it from the lens of uh, combat, you know, combat veteran and bless their hearts, man. Like, you know, my, my sister and brothers in arms, like they go through so much by seeing what they see and I respect, you know, and I, and I love you all for the sacrifices you make. Um, but there's also PTSD and other layers that a lot of people don't know. And that's why I really want to educate you guys and share my story of going through uh, uh, um, the amount of stress from something traumatic that I was having those same feelings that someone that might've experienced combat was going through as well. So the National Institute of Mental Health, they have a real definition of PTSD. And it they say it is a disorder that some people develop after experiencing a shocking, scary, or dangerous event. So just think about it, shocking, scary, or dangerous. That could be a multitude of things. And those events could include witnessing death or injury, accidents, physical assault, sexual assault, physical abuse, combat, like we talked about earlier, a natural disaster, child sex abuse, so it's trauma, it's going through a traumatic event. And everybody, like you might see, you know, um, I know that Charlemagne, he's been awesome with really pushing mental health and therapy. And he talks about it, like when he talks to these rappers or talks to people who have grown up in like poverty or environments where they see shooting and killing, he was just like, you know, a lot of you guys are walking around with PTSD because you have people who are witnessing death. They're witnessing people on drugs. They're witnessing traumatic things on a regular basis that they have a certain level of paranoia. You'll hear it in his, in his interviews with some people, like they're paranoid. They have certain things that are feelings that they're trying to like maintain and hold, hold in. And then maybe they'll lash out in some kind of way. So it is trauma. Again, it's, it's after experiencing a shocking, scary, or dangerous event. And everybody's different. Like what you might consider shocking or scary or dangerous might be different. Like you might be able to go through a natural disaster and be fine, but there's some people that are broken. There's some people I've heard stories of, you know, people being um, like a guy might put their hands on them and then maybe they got away from the guy that was trying to sexually assault them. But they, that was so traumatic for them that even though like sexual activity didn't happen, the assault still happened. They are like, they are, they're hurt from that. They're, they're, it's traumatic to them. So they have these um, episodes and they have these side effects. And those side effects include the guilt, they listen anger, hopelessness, hallucination, nightmares, insomnia, um, self-destruction, flashbacks. So all that can happen, again, if some people have that shocking, scary, or dangerous event that happened. I have a good friend of mine. She was in a situation where her ex-husband, you know, um, he abused her. And she's the same way, like, she, you can't sneak up on her. She's had to tell, like, you know, a guy she dated in the past, like, he, you know, he he thought it was funny to kind of, like, sneak up on her. You know, when you're joking with someone, you sneak up on them and you're like, boo. She, she, she went off on him and was like, listen, you can't do that. 
because this trauma that I experienced and my ex-husband, you know, running up on me and putting his hands on me, that has affected me. And she's working through that. And a lot of times people don't realize they have PTSD and they do. And of course, you know, you should never self-diagnose, but a lot of people are walking around with it and they've been through trauma. And even me, I've been rear-ended and I get anxiety now where, I mean, and it happened so random. I'm just like waiting, you know, when we, when I lived in Maryland, you know, we had like this long strip of road we had to get to. And there was literally like, it's one of those like stop and goes, like everybody was cars lined up. And then all of a sudden, all I see is red and I just get rear ended. Like it was just fast. So now whenever I'm at a light and a car's pulling up behind me, and that might also have, I mean, it's just trauma that might also have something to do with people walking up behind me as well. But I get anxiety. I'm like, oh my God, are they slowing down? Are they slowing down? But again, I have to talk to myself. I have to, and then I'll stop looking at my rear view mirror. I'll just look straight ahead because if I watch a car pull up behind me at a stoplight, it freaks me out. So there are a lot of people who might be walking around with PTSD that never like went and got, okay, went to a therapist or went to a doctor and said, listen, I'm having these type of, I'm having the guilt, I'm having the anger, I'm having the hallucination and the flashbacks. So they can say, okay, well, you probably have PTSD. So again, there's just like a deeper layer to it that a lot of people don't realize. So if you came up in the street and you saw a lot of, you saw your parents or your mom, your dad, or someone in your family get abused day in and day out, you can have trauma from that. You can have flashbacks from that. You can snap because of that. So PTSD is, is a huge thing. And I think that, you know, it's really important for us to stretch our mindset and look at it from a different lens to understand that this can affect everyone. This can affect people in so many capacities. And that's why it's important that whatever you're going through mental health wise, that you're really like seeking the help. Like there's so many resources out there and and I'm going to keep stressing it more and more. And thank you to the fit writer. She had me, um, on her podcast recently, and she's doing like a series about mental health and really talking about it and going on a deeper dive and hearing people's stories, because you're going to hear stories from different lenses. Like I said, we've seen it from the military perspective, but we haven't heard too many stories from people who have experienced it after they've been sexually assaulted and, you know, physically abused because it's happening. People are having these moments where they start dating a new person and he might, you know, be going into lean to hug her and she might flinch, like all that kind of stuff that's happening. So, you know, I'm really, really, um, I really thought it was important to explain PTSD from another lens. And I hope you guys really took something from it. Um, As always, whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, please utilize the resources. There are Facebook groups, there are 1-800 numbers. I mean, if you're a survivor of sexual assault, there's RAIN. Please contact RAIN. I'm thankful to be a part of their Speakers Bureau and they go out and raise awareness and share their stories. I mean, there's, um, you know, hotlines if you're being abused. There are hotlines if you are suicidal. There's just so many resources out there. Like, just pick up the phone and call. Or just if you don't, if you're not ready to call like their Facebook groups, like I'm a part of Facebook group, Facebook groups for victims of child sexual abuse. I'm a part of Facebook groups for survivors of sexual assault. I, you know, that community and you have people who literally have just experienced it that go in and say, man, how do you deal with this? And it's a blessing to be able to say, okay, this is how I dealt with it, but it's going to take time because it took time for me to heal from that PTSD. It took me time. And I still have those moments where I have to check myself and say, hey, it's ongoing. 
And that's why when you hear stories from survivors who decide to say, yes, I'm going to, you know, go the court route and I'm just going to like put myself out there and, you know, speak in front of these strangers about what happened to me in explicit detail and to have, you know, to come back and hear like, oh, you know, not guilty or hear that, oh, well, they're just getting a probation. It's heart wrenching. It's like going through a whole nother because you have to relive it. So it's a constant, constant battle. It's a constant, constant fight for you to basically be able to process those things and not relive what you went through and not wake up and cry about it. I mean, I don't know how long I had dreams about it. I don't know how long I, I just, I just, you know, would get into these depressive states from it. So really take care of yourself. And like I said, just connect with people who can support you and, you know, whatever you've done to heal and help yourself. I take pride in responding to that message and saying, okay, well, this is what helped me, but it is going to take time. It's taken years. It's taken, I mean, this happened at 15 years old and I just turned 35 last month and there's still things that I have to still work on, but it's just me being intentional to really like talk myself and say, okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right, you know, and, and just working through those things. So I appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, I'm going to be doing more, um, more video podcasts. So please go onto my YouTube page. You just search for the page called um, The Miss Isha. I need to change that. But you know when you pick like a social media name and you're like, why did I choose it? That was the moment for that. Like, why did I choose some of these names? But again, when you're first doing social media pages, you're just like thinking it from your lens. But now that I'm trying to be um, in service of the people, um, you know, it's changed. But again, it's... um, the like t-h-e miss m-s isha e-e-s-h-a they used to call me isha growing up so i guess it made sense at that moment so i'm going to see if i can actually change it to isha thomas because that is my brand that is my focus it's about me again being the service of the people but please subscribe to my um, youtube page i'll put it on the details in this um the information for this podcast and i really appreciate you guys listening and still like be on the lookout for those um those live podcasts so you can actually see the visuals and I'll put that information. It's going to be through Facebook as well or um, Instagram and things like that. So I appreciate you guys. I hope you learned something today about PTSD and blessings to you. So my nugget of the week um, came from the Secret to Success podcast with my favorite crew of people, Eric Thomas, CJ and Carl. Um, and ET was doing like his end and most of the podcast, he has like a, a little nugget that he drops and Um, He said that, you know, you can't expect to plant a seed and eat from the fruit right away. And that's really, really deep because, uh, you know, they say now, like, we're living in a time where people want, like, those instant benefits and those instant access and everything's instant. You know, if you really think about it, like, there was a time where, like, me, I'm 35. So there was, I've been in through all the transition. I I am a millennial, but, like, I'm, like, an older millennial. But I've been around from the transition to you know no cell phones cell phones were really a privilege to the to the point where like everyone has a cell phone where cell cell phones were limited to calling and now you can text and get on the internet um and all those things were like extra things that you had to pay for like you now everything is instant you know you don't have to you know you can call uber eats and get your food dropped off instead of in the past you have you have to go to the grocery store or you have to do this this and that there's even even to Black Friday, like you can start shopping earlier for Black Friday and for sales where before you had to wait till Black Friday to do your, you know, your shopping. And they even have Cyber Monday. So everything basically is instant. 
So that's the same thing when it comes to our goals. When we have something that we really aspire to be and want to do, we want that instant result. We want things to happen within a month, and I'm guilty of it. I'm such a grinder. I'm like, yeah, let's get put the work in and being patient. Like, I know I have to, but sometimes it drives me crazy. Like, how long is it going to take? I don't want it. For me, I think, like, I, I in my head, I think, like, I don't want it to take X amount of time. But you have to put the work in, and you have to basically wait for that that plant to basically grow and for that fruit to grow for you to actually eat from it like even for you know if you plant something there's a process even when you plant even if it's a fruit tree you plant it and you start seeing it come out and then eventually like the tree trunk and all those things start to create and then the leaves have to form and the fruit is like the last thing to create and even when the fruit is formed it's still not ripe you still got to wait for the fruit to get to a certain point where you can pick it and eat from it so there are layers to it. So look at that when it comes to your marriage and say it's broken and it needs healing and there needs to be change. You need to wait for that thing to ripen and that healing to ripen so you can eat from it, so you can have that blissful marriage. If it's relationships with friends, you got to wait to, you know, you guys to get to a certain point and build that friendship and that relationship where you guys are really like bonding and connecting. And after you guys have been through some things, like you have that ripe friendship. If it's a business goal, you really have to wait and put the work in for because it's just like you have to water the plant, you know, if it's planted outside, you know, you can hope that, you know, the rain can is going to be what's going to nourish the ground to keep it moist and allow it to grow. But there's going to be droughts where you have to turn on the sprinklers when you have to go out and actually water it. So that's the same thing. Like everything is being watered. There are layers to um, that process before that fruit becomes to the point where it's ripe and you can pick from it. So really like think about it. You can't expect, expect instant results. And I love the piece where they talked about like people meet me and they say they want to be me. They want to say like, oh, you got this and you got that. I wish I had your style or had your, you know, uh, your push. But if you say you want to be me, you got to take everything else that for me, you know, you got to take everything that came with me getting to this point. So you got to take the sexual assault. You got to take the sexual abuse. You got to take the bullying. You got to take the suicide attempt. You got to take it all because all of those things are what watered me to get me to the point of ripeness. And although a lot of those things were not self-inflicted, of course, you know, there were, there are people who just unfortunately like they, they, they're not in the right mindset where they'll, they'll abuse or disrespect or bully, but you have to take it all. So don't ever look at someone's life. Like I want that because you don't know what it took for them to get there. And if you want their life, you have to take everything that came with it. Eric Thomas was homeless, eating out of trash cans. He talked about moments where he used to show up places and he hadn't bathed. You got to take all that if you want to be like someone. So don't focus on that person. Focus on your grind. Focus on planting that seed. Focus on uh, giving it the nutrients it needs, watering it. Focus on really making sure that it's planted in solid ground and, and really like moist and like the best environment. Focus on all fixing all that and you will see eventually you can eat from that ripe, ripe fruit. Y'all have an amazing, an amazing week.